If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to the book of Psalms. I have uh, found that uh, this is uh, some of my favorite uh, scripture. Uh, some of my favorite passages is found in the book of Psalms. Uh, I, th- I think uh, where it really kicked in is when I took my uh, first trip uh, to Israel. And uh, one of my favorite spots was in Getty uh, there. And uh, then the second uh, one of my favorite spots was in Getty. My third trip, one of my favorite spots was in Getty. Uh, and the reason why is because you go out to the desert, and uh, of course we know that David uh, went out there, and many times he was hiding out. Uh, his very life was on the line. And as you go through those little crooks and crannies, and you see all the caves around, and then you come to a wonderful waterfall, greenery, And we know that uh, David wrote many of his psalms uh, from this location here. And so uh, I started to look more into the psalms. And uh, I just have fell in love with the psalms. There's so much truth there. And uh, that's where we're going to be at tonight. So if you have your Bibles uh, or your Bible apps or your Kindles like I have, uh, we're in Psalms number 4. And... uh, uh, some have said something about my, my uh, device here. Some that sit in the balcony said, Brother Mike, we can read it from there. <laughs> and my reply is, well, that's a good thing. Just as long as I can read it, that's all that really matters. And so that's the reason why I have a fonts. Now, I've also been uh, told about my cover. Some have called it uh, Tennessee Orange. It is not Tennessee orange. It's not that close. (laughs) I'm dead set that it's Florida orange. (laughs) Hey, could be worse. It could be black and gold. All right. uh, Let's move on. We're fixing to get in trouble. Psalms chapter, uh, no chapter, uh, Psalms 4. This is what the Bible says, David speaking here. Now understand the backdrop here. He uh, has uh, relinquished, not relinquished, but he has lost his throne. Absalom, his son, has taken over. uh, And now he finds himself hiding out in a cave. He understands that Absalom's forces are are coming after him. Uh, They're wanting him dead. This is not the first time that we see David in trouble. We know that when he was uh, fighting uh, and trying to uh, pull away and hide out from King Saul. So David, many times over, uh, is having to hide out. So understand that. He un- uh, here's the thing that catches me, is that here's David, who should be in Jerusalem on the throne. He's now sitting in a cave. So understand that as you go through this uh, this psalm, uh, we see uh, a number of things. First of all, we're going to see salvation and we're going to wind up with security. By the way, when you have salvation, you do have security. Okay? So, uh, with that understanding, this is what David, David says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness, thou hast enlarged me When did you enlarge me? When everything was going well? No. He said, you have enlarged me when I was in distress. Isn't that a good word? 
things are not going well. And he still recognizes that his God is the God of his righteousness. And because of that, he goes on and he says, And you will have, have mercy upon me and uh, hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will you turn uh, my glory into shame? And how long will you love vanity and seek after Leasing now in the King James, uh, it's leasing, uh, but if the tra- uh, you can translate that to lies, and then he goes on, and also notice uh, the word uh, shila. That is a word. It's a musical term. It means this is the time p- to pause or to rest and reflect of what has been said. Okay, and then we go on in verse number three. Now, having said all that, he, he's crying out to the Lord. He says, Lord, I hope you hear my prayer. Have mercy upon me. He says, there are those who are seeking after me. There are those who are saying lies about me. There are those who are wanting nothing but evil uh, to become upon me. But in verse number 3, we start to see the tone of the psalm change. In verse number 3, he says, But <laughs> know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly, for himself, the Lord will hear when I call unto him. Isn't that good? And so now we go on in, in verse number uh, four. And he says, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart and, and upon your bed be still. You, you, catch, you see how this is changing now. Then verse number five, he says, and offered the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that will say, who will show us good? Lord, lift, up thy, uh, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon me. And then we start to go in verse seven and eight. We're going to see, we've looked at salvation. Now we're getting into not only a song, but we're also going to get into security. Listen, verse number 7, this is where we see the song. He says, And thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and thy wine increased. In verse number 8, And I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou Lord only makest me dwell in safety isn't that good we're going to see very quickly tonight we're going to see salvation and we're going to wind up with security let's pray dear Heavenly Father I thank you for the reading of your word Lord I thank you for the power contained within your word Lord I ask now that you would help me to preach with your power. Lord, I understand that I cannot do this by myself. Don't want to do it by myself. Lord, I'm needing you to help me tonight. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would have encouragement for someone who needs encouragement. Lord, I pray tonight that they maybe have slipped in here and they've gone through a difficult situation. Maybe the day hasn't gone well. The week hasn't gone well. Maybe the month, maybe the year has not gone well for them. Lord, I pray that you'll give them encouragement tonight. And Lord, as we look into your word, that you'll give us understanding, but not only understanding, but what we understand, 
will make applicable to our lives so that we can go out far better when we first came in. We pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So first of all, we see in verse number 1, we see a personal salvation. I want you to notice in verse number 1 that uh, David uses seven times in that one verse, he uses seven personal pronouns. I, me, my. What does that say to us? We need to understand before you can get to verse number 8, you have to deal with verse number 1. And what we need to understand is our salvation is a personal salvation. Somebody else can't do it for us. Someone that you don't go through the priest or you don't go through a preacher. You have to go one-on-one with the Lord Jesus Christ and you have to have a personal experience with the risen Savior. And so here when we understand that it's a personal salvation, I want you to also know that it's a practical salvation. Understand David. David says there in verse number 1, he says, I was in distress. See, David came to realize that he was in deep water. David came to realize that he's in a situation that if the Lord doesn't help him, he's not going to get out alive. And we all need to understand that when we need to know Jesus Christ, we have to understand that we're lost and undone, and without Jesus Christ, we're in deep water. It reminds me of a story of two men. Uh, They were at the beach. It was a secluded beach. And one of them was lying in the, on the beach and he was soaking up the rays. The other guy thought he'd just kind of wander around and wade around in the water. And so uh, here's the man, he's laying in the sun, no worries, uh, you know, and he doesn't even know anybody else is around. Here's the other guy, uh, he starts to wade out. He didn't realize that there was a uh, drop off there in the water. And so he took a step and he went under. He comes up and he's spitting out water and he's starting to yell, Help me! Help me! Help me! I can't swim! I can't swim! And he's flashing and, and, and waving his arms and he's crying out. And finally the guy on the beach who's lying in the sun, soaking up the sun, he raises up and here's the guy. He's still yelling, Help me! Help me! I can't swim! He looks at the guy. He yells back at him. He says, Hey, I can't swim either, but I'm not making a big fuss about it. Now, what's the story have to do with that? There are a lot of people who do not realize they're in deep water and they're fixing to drown. And so we recognize that we are in need of a Savior. But I want you to go on. Not only does it deal with uh, regeneration or being born again, we also see it's a practical salvation when we go through times when we get in trouble. And we have a personal relationship with the Lord. We understand, Lord, I don't know how to get out of this mess. Lord, this is a mess that I just can't see my way out of that. And then we cry out to the Father and we say, Lord, I'm going under. I need you to help me. I got good news for you. He not only hears your prayers, but he'll act upon your prayers in accordance to his will and his timetable. And whatever answer he gives you is always the right answer. And so here we see it's a personal salvation. It's a practical salvation. But because of that, we can move into verses 3 and 4. And in verses 3 and 4, we're going to see a sanctification. What does that mean? Well, here we see that uh, David 
came to realize that he was in a need and he understood uh, that, uh, and it says here, that he stood in awe. Did you notice that? He didn't say it. He didn't lay. He stood in awe. Now, I'm going to camp out a little bit on this because I'm burdened for the modern church because we have lost a sense of being awed by God. We really have. Now, how do you know that? Well, I know that by the how we come in and get ready for worship. On Sunday morning, if you want to have some good comic relief, uh, you just kind of hide out and you watch how some of our folks come in here. Some of them come in on two wheels. If they have children or grandchildren, they're snatching them out or if they're not hanging out the window and they're snatching them, they're late. It's amazing to me that we'll do everything we can. We'll make sure our alarm clock is set. we make sure we won't oversleep during the week because I don't want to be late for work. Can't be late for work. But yet, we think it's okay for us to be a little bit late to come to worship a mighty, holy God. That's the reason why I believe we have lost the sense of who God really is. We're not all by Him anymore. We come in, we got kids that are half-dressed, you hurry up and you put them in their class. You come into class. You uh, come into class a little late. You plop down. And you're going, whoo, thought we'd never get here today. And then you start going on about your story about how uh, things are haven't gone well at home. And then uh, you interrupt uh, the teaching of the word. And then uh, we go ahead and now the teacher's going to have to hurry things up. He says, okay, we're fixing to run out of time because we had a little bit too much to fellowship time. We had to talk about the ball game a little bit too long. And so now we got to hurry up and get that lesson in. Got to get our lesson in. We got to get them out. So we get them out. We come in. Or we go do what we do. And then we sit down in our pews. And I've seen it many times over. And I'm not fussing. I'm just, uh, just telling you. I'm just stating what I've seen is that we pull out our uh, phones. We check our text messages. Or we're texting someone. We're not a bit uh, ready to worship than the man in the moon. Why? We've lost sense that we're coming into a presence of a holy God who is righteous, who created the world, who saved your soul. And what do we do? We come in and kind of tip our hat at him. We get a little antsy when the preacher's going a little over. We get a little antsy if they don't sing something we really like. Don't know why they can't sing this song. It's one of my favorite songs. Why do we have that? And we have all this where this one's mad about this and this one's upset about this. And I'll tell you why we're having that is because we have not stood in awe of a holy God. We've already heard it referenced to Isaiah chapter 6. Now we're fixing to preach a little bit here. In Isaiah chapter 6, remember what Isaiah said? He said, I saw the Lord. High and lifted up. His glory filled the room. And notice what? He didn't say, and I raised my hands, I danced a little bit, I jumped a pew or two. When he saw the holiness of God, the Bible tells us, he said, Woe unto me, one of unclean lips. Why do you say that we've lost our sense of Allness. I don't know if that's a word. We're going to make it up. It'll probably be in Webster's Dictionary next year. But we really have lost it. But notice here, not only did he say he stood in awe, 
But then he said, I communed my heart. The Bible says our heart is deceitful. How do we know when we have understood and we start to realize we're in the presence of a holy God? We recognize our sin. That should cause us not have to be saying, hey, you need to come down to the altar. You need to come. We, we, nothing should be said about that. It should be a spontaneous reaction. Woe is me. One of unclean lips. We've lost how awesome God really is. How holy God is. But notice this. Not only did he say, first of all, that he stood in all, but then he goes on and he says, he was still. Oh, watch this. When you recognize how holy God is, and when you come into his presence and you see his glory, you'll be still. Now, I have nothing against being expressive for not worship. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, and I started thinking about that. And we're, we don't like being silent. We all like our opinions, don't we? And some of you are sitting there and says, no, 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 you bunch of liars. <laughs> we all like our opinions. We all have to say something, don't we? <clears throat> You're watching television. You're watching Fox News. And, and you, you see where they're balanced. And they start to show something that really ticks you off. You see something maybe about the protest or whatnot like that. And what do you do? You start talking to the TV. Right? Like the TV can hear you. Like those people doing all the stupid things can hear you. But why do we do that? We just got to say something. And here's, what, here's the danger of that. I'm going down the road. And of course, I don't see well. But I'm going down the road. And I'm seeing people. And they're, and they're, 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 I say, who are they talking to? And they're either talking on the phone. A lot of times they're talking to the radio. You hear something come across the radio and you're saying, that's not right. I'll tell you what, that's what's wrong with this country. And then we start doing a dissertation and all of this like that. Why do we do that? Because we just got to say something. But here's where even more danger lies is that has crept into our prayer life and our worship life. Do you see where we're going with this? What we're to understand is God gave us one mouth and two ears. Can't we get the hint? But we're too busy telling God what we need from Him. Why do we do that? Because we don't understand how holy He is. We, we have not come into the and be awed by His presence because we're too busy whacking and talking and giving God our laundry list prayers and there's nothing wrong for praying for others. I mean, that, I'm not saying that. Understand where we're coming from. But there's a time when the, and, and, and the translation here when he says to be still, the little translation is to be quiet. But there's even a harder translation. Shut up. We don't like that. And here's what David is helping us to understand is that when we come into the presence of a holy God, we should be in awe. 
How would he allow me to even come into his house? How could he allow me who's undone and I have sin in my life and I'm not what I ought to be and that he allows me and that's exactly what happens. When we come to corporate worship, we're coming or we should be coming with the attitude, I'm fixing to go in the presence of a holy God. It will change how you come into worship. It will change how we worship. And so here he says, I stood in awe, and he goes and says uh, to be still. But then he goes on in verse number 4 uh, and, and going into uh, the, the uh, verse number 5. I want you to watch, listen to what he says. He starts talking about, uh, and we're still with sanctification here. We see that he talks about the sacrifices. Now, I need to hurry up here. But in the sacrifices, what's he talking about? He, notice what he used the term, sacrifices of righteousness. Now, there's two major groups of the sacrifices. There was the sin offering. The sin offering was for repentant sinners. That's not the sacrifices he's talking about. How do we know that? Because he says it's sacrifices of righteousness. There was a second group, and it was a group for the saints. It was sacrifices to show our gratitude. It was sacrifices to show our worship. And here we see there's three different types of sacrifices that come under that heading. The first of all is the burnt offering. Now the burnt offering, it was where they would take the sacrifice and they would put it up on the fire and would totally consume that sacrifice. And as the smoke rose up, it was symbolic that the Lord found that pleasing because it was praise. And it all went to the Lord. See, isn't that what our worship should be? It should be all to the Lord. It shouldn't be if you like that song or you like this song. It shouldn't have any of that. It should be when you come in, and by the way, you, when you come in and you understand you're coming into the presence of a holy God, you're worshiping a holy God, it all belongs to Him. It's not about us. It's all about Him. So that was the burnt offering. But then there's a second offering that was listed in that, and that was the meal offering. Now, the meal offering, they would take the bread, they would work it and work it and work it, unleavened bread. They would take it and work it and work it until it became flawless, perfect, smooth. What's that a picture of? That's a picture of our Lord Jesus. For He's the only one that has no fault. He's the only one that knew no sin. But yet, even though He knew no sin, He took on your sin. And, and so here we understand worship. And here's what David uh, and what we need to understand. First of all, we understand that worship is all about him. All of our attention, all of our focus, all of our praise is to him and to him alone. But also we understand we're also praising the one who came to die on Calvary's tree, the one who took your sin and my sin, who knew no sin. He was the perfect Lamb of God, but yet he took it willingly and said, I'll take care of their sin. He was the only one qualified. He was the only sacrifice qualified to meet the demands. It had to be perfect sacrifice. Our Lord Jesus was perfect. And because He was perfect, He makes us perfect. Isn't that good? And so here, 
we see there was a burnt offering, there was the, uh, the, uh, the meal offering, but then there was the last, and it's called the peace offering. The peace offering centered around a meal. They would have a meal. Now, what's that represent? That represents that they were having communion with one another, having fellowship with one another. And that's a picture of what we're supposed to be doing in our worship. We're communing with God. We're not communing with one another. Now, I'm going to tell you, and I, and I might be get to meddling here, but you just go ahead and, and allow me. It'll probably be a while before I preach again. So, <laughs> It bothers me. We come into worship a holy God. We say it's all about Jesus. But yet, first song comes up. We, for some reason, think it's still okay to be talking to one another. I, it's gotten quiet. I ain't fussing. I'm just telling you, we have lost the holiness of God. Here we are coming into His house. We're starting to sing a song of praise, and we're still catching up on the news with our neighbor. There's nothing wrong with fellowship. We ought to be friendly towards one another, but there's a time and place for it. And I'm telling you, it's not a time and place when we've come to worship. It's time we get focused on the one we're worshiping and the one we're having communion with and the one that we're wanting to understand that He has given us everything that we need. And so, He says, there was the sacrifices of Righteousness, But then he goes on and he says, and the gladness in my heart. He's the gladness in my heart. What's he talking about? He goes on and says, uh, the wine and the corn there. He's referring to the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles, also called the Harvest Offering, uh, the uh, Feast of Booths. Uh, we had a, an occasion, we went to Israel uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles. Let me tell you, they know how to get it on. And I'm talking about worship. Now that we might not, you know, say, well, they're Jewish, they're Jewish, you know. Okay. But they still know how to praise. The Feast of Tabernacles, they come from all around the world. That time we were there, they were from Africa, they were from Japan, Taiwan, I mean all the countries of the world. They came to the Feast of Tabernacles, the harvest feast, if you will, and they were celebrating how good God has been to them. And man, they were dancing, they were shouting, they were doing this, this, this. I mean, they were doing all kinds of things. They were having all kinds of party. The, the whole week, they let schools out. No schools in Israel. Why? It's the Feast of Tabernacles. Why are you celebrating how good God's been to us? Listen, we ought to have a Feast of Tabernacles every time we meet in His house. We ought to be praising Him, thinking, Lord, you've been good to me. Look at all He's done for me. You've saved my soul. You've helped my family. You've given me an opportunity to make money. And we can go on and on, can we not? I'm telling you, we need to realize that when we come into the presence of a holy God, we have a whole lot to praise Him for. And it's hard for us to praise Him when we're not really in tune to who He is. He's holy. We didn't deserve anything. That ought to make you shout and ought to make you jump three or four pews. 
So, Brother Mike, I have some limitations. I'm telling you what, you can get over those limitations. I mean, loosen your bones up a little bit. I'm telling you, we got something to praise them for. We got something to have happy feet with. We have something to raise our hands to. We have something where we can sing praise and say, Holy, holy, holy. So here, he doesn't stop there. Verse number 8. He says, he, uh, talking about the Lord, David says, I can go ahead and go to sleep now. And I can go to sleep in peace. By the way, in Isaiah chapter 12, verse number 2, Scripture tells us there, calls up, he's the God of my salvation. He's the God of my strength. He's the God of my song. And before we get to that, the, the verse, I started thinking this, Brother Steve, now, brother, brother Steve can sing, okay? And, of course, I sit over here. And, and, and here, he, I get a little nervous because he'll come over here and he's got a mic. And he comes over to me and I'm singing, okay? And, I, and I'm fearful that you're going to start hearing me, which would cause you to have gnashing and wailing. You will have sackcloths and ashes, when you hear my, me sing. Now, I'm going to tell you, my family, has, uh, uh, they're very quick to tell you I cannot sing. My wife says I can't ter- carry a tune in a bucket. And they're all correct. But I'm telling you what, there's just sometimes when I get a little stirred up and I'm singing, here's Brother Steve coming over there. Of course, Brother, I'm thinking, you know what, I'm just as good as he is. And I start convincing myself. I don't understand why he won't let me sing with him. I mean, I'm starting to sing, and I, and I, know, and I know I'm not a good singer, but here's the deal. The deal is, he didn't say that we are to make a joyful on key in harmony. He said make a joyful noise. Now, I understand my singing is a noise. I understand that. But it's a joyful. Why? Because I've got a song in my heart. And, 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 I, and I just can't, I, sometimes I just get, like Brother Shane says sometimes, I just got the, I can't help it. I just can't help to start singing and thinking that I can sing. But I'm telling you one, I might not sing well down here, but there's coming a day where I will be in perfect harmony and perfect pitch when I see my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We all have a song to sing, amen? But then we're going to close. We see security. He says, I'm going to go ahead and go to bed. Lord, because I know you're the only one that can give me peace. You're the only one to let me rest my head. Now understand, his circumstances did not change. He didn't change. But in his heart, he knew he served a God that will take care of him. My dear friend, I don't know what's going on in your life tonight. I don't know how turbulent, I don't know your finances, I don't know any of that, but I do know this. You can lay your head down at night when you understand, going back to verse number one, that you have a personal relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you can have peace when there's no peace around because you know personally the Prince of Peace. Amen? Now you see why I love the Psalms. 
Do you see the truth in here? And I know I didn't do a good, adequate job there, but look, take it face value. We serve a good God who will take care of our needs and He will see us through.